the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. All right. Allison Charles. Hi. Hi. So good to be back. And you brought Tiki. Yes, if you're not watching the video, we have Tiki, the Pomeranian, once again, stealing the show and chewing on her Palo Santo. (laughs) Sitting on the Animal Power book and deck with Palo Santo in her mouth. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, (laughs) she she knows. She's already slipped her her tongue. Yeah, I've I've gotten two French kisses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very delightful, I must say. So she's bringing all, all the love in. Yeah, and if you want to see it in video, head over to our YouTube channel. It's it's really cute. She's actually blocking your camera, but uh, you know you what? Know. I'm actually okay with it. She is the real star of this show. So, so I'm going to introduce you a little bit of your bio, um, and then we'll get into it. Allison and I have known each other for how many? Like a couple years now. Years uh, and through mutual friends, and have gone on our first hike together. I was on Allison's um, podcast, Ceremony Circle, mm-hmm. so make sure we'll put that all in the link. But um, That was a great episode, by the way. Yeah. Just saying, like, you really shared some powerful, very transparent, real, raw stories in that. So. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I probably cried. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably—was that close to my mother's passing or— It was right before, right, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, you've reached— different precipice points. But at the time of that recording, you were really stepping into a lot of your your own big magic and stuff. Yes, Yes. because it was on the hike that we did where I was like, I want to start a nonprofit around mental health. And then you were like, by the time we filmed, I think you were like, you already, you just did it. Yeah, like you, it's (laughs) it's born. (laughs) That was fast. You're a quick manifester. I am like, when you put your mind to something, you just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. But you, fellow Indiana girl. I know. Love it. Yes. And you were in New York. You've been a host of multiple shows. I hate reading off of bios, but I'm going to for a moment so I don't miss this. But internationally renowned shaman, best-selling author and host of Ceremony Circle podcast, which is amazing. 
you were a national athlete mm-hmm. and then a radio host and a daytime television talk host. And you found a calling that made you take a shift. Big shift. So let's talk about maybe starting from your quote-unquote trauma- traumatic calling mm. and our experience that mm-hmm. had you shift. Yeah, it was quite a doozy. And I always like to tune in in any interview. If this question arises, I just like to do a present moment tune in to see what part of this explanation wants to come through in real time because what led me to that actual divine intervention spiritual awakening day was all the previous years of my life, you know? So it's a, it was a long story and long journey to get to that exact moment. So let me just mm-hmm. take a little dip in here to see. I'm going to do some interesting cliff notes and only bring in the athletic part just because you and I have had some pretty cool conversations around just our histories and backstory with really intense, hardcore uh, wellness, fitness, mm-hmm. athletic journeys And that's where, and I always like to preface by saying I would not change a thing about my journey, my story. It has taught me so much. Um, So yeah, I started as a runner at, I was in my first road race at only two and a half years old. My dad was my coach. And so it thus began this incredibly intense, full-on, high-level running trajectory where uh, I think the blending of it being both my dad and my coach, it that dynamic can oftentimes be tricky. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'm not pointing the finger at my dad. And I learned so much being such a devoted athlete. But I wasn't able at such a young age to hold all of these pieces. And at that young age, I still had my spiritual gifts very alive and awakened. And I'm a seer. And that's still probably my strongest spiritual gift is my ability to see everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing, I think, some of these dysfunctional energetics at play. But what am I going to do at four years old, you know, have some shamanic sit down you know, with my dad? Hi, Tiki. She's coming in to console me during yeah. the uh, the like, childhood wound yeah. story. She's here to help. Um, yeah. And so... Basically, I had a decision point at a very young age to either maintain my strong connection and relationship with the divine Mm -hmm. and my spiritual gifts, and that potentially caused problems with my relationship with my dad, Mm -hmm. or I could kind of shut down and suppress my relationship to God, goddess, my relationship to my own soul and gifts, and keep my relationship with my dad thriving because I didn't know how to hold it all. And so I chose at a young age to greatly suppress my true soul's purpose and calling to maintain relationship with dad. So we'll fast forward. I ended up being a national champion athlete, ran for the University of Alabama, went on to be a Division I college coach. It was a full previous life that I had that I can't even believe was this lifetime. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have some of those experiences for yourself where you're like, was I really, did I do that oh, this lifetime? Of course I do. I mean, you I don't know if you've read my book, but you know my story. We've shared it with each other. And I'm like, even my husband, like two days ago, Bobby was like, I still can't believe that was you. 
And like, who, what? But again, I agree with you. I never, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. And I know we've talked before about rebelling against fitness. Yes. <laughs> and I just was talking about this yesterday because I went to my first Pilates class in years. Yeah. And the instructor is this older whippersnapper of a fun lady. And just so she could understand a bit about my background for a starting point for my first session with her, I was like, I can kind of whittle it down to this. I was as full on and extreme and hardcore of an athlete as it gets. And then my body shut down and I had surgeries and injuries and the pendulum swung the other way. And I wanted... Was that Tiki that burping? That was Tiki was burping. That no, it was Tiki. She's clearing. She's a little healer dog. She's doing... She is. In shamanism, a lot and a lot of shamans, including myself, um, when there's energy to be cleared, we belch and burp it through. So wow, thank you, she, Tiki. I have never heard Tiki burp. Are you serious? Yeah. She did. That was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, sweetheart. She's like the look on her face right now. Is she okay? Are you feeling the strong spiritual energies? Okay. Oh my gosh. What was, oh, oh, and so the pendulum. And so, yeah, I was telling her how then the pendulum swung as far as it could go the other direction. And I, for, I mean, as you know, years and years, I don't know if it's 10, 15 or 20, where I was like, I do not want to move my body at all. I will not exercise. I will not push my physical vessel. And if anyone dare try to tell me what the F to do with my body, you will meet the wrath of me. It was really mm -hmm. hardcore because this, this point weaves in to my journey to having my awakening because I was able to connect dots of how all of my childhood, it was my dad telling me what to do with my mm -hmm. physical vessel. Mm -hmm. It was my dad telling me all of the workouts, this is that, this is this. There was no out, really. Mm -hmm. Then you fast forward to me being in college and getting with a former very long-term relationship who was my first fiance years ago. And it was after my spiritual awakening where the illusion and denials had ev evaporated and I saw his struggles with addiction and sex addiction being one of them. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest enlightening moments of my life was looking back and realizing how there was a transfer mm -hmm. from my dad telling me what to do with my body to then getting into a really unhealthy, dysfunctional, at times abusive relationship where my ex, I was allowing my physical vessel to be used again, but just in a different way. You know, my dad was never, it was just like him telling me to run. But then with my ex-fiance, I was allowing my physical vessel to be dishonored on a pretty much daily basis for almost two decades. So that those were some huge puzzle pieces for me to connect and some harsh moments of reality checks for me because I needed to look at that piece and be like, wow, I need to take responsibility here. Where do I need to heal? Why was my self-worth so low that for almost 20 years, I let my physical vessel be used essentially. Yeah. And I've, you know, we've talked about this again. Like I've gone through my, I mean, I've toned it up. Fitness superstar. But huge. <laughs> huge. Global. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> but then I think I always try to like connect in my head. Like I 
for a couple years, rebelled and didn't take care of myself. And last time we saw each other a couple weeks ago, even you're like, "Oh, you've gotten in shape again." Yeah, like, I not saw like in shape at what you said. I mean, like, but I could I could see the shift. Yeah, like what you're was that? More toned up again. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I just went through rebellion. I think that we are all allowed to have those seasons and those ups and downs and like with Tone It Up, we're an amazing community and everything. But sometimes I was also going through the shift of my mother's transition and just a lot of things going on. And, you know, I always wondered too, like my mother always wanted me to be the pretty one. The, the I just, I always think that and like maybe I cut my hair short mm. and my mom hated it. And, like, it, part of it was maybe, like, a resistance to so many things. Like, perhaps with your father, there mm-hmm. was, like, this resistance. But then I'm like, okay, let's go back. Like, what makes me happy? Actually moving my body and eating healthy actually makes me happy. Yeah. So now I'm back in that 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 season. Yeah, and that's so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that someone that's in the position like you are, that you're not trying to put a facade out there that— someone at the level of the wellness and fitness game that you've been at for so many years that you're just being honest and saying, yeah, you might not have known it at the time, but there was like a three-year span where I really wasn't working out at all. And these are the reasons why. And just, oh, those kinds of stories are hold such medicine and liberation energetics for everyone. So I'm grateful that you're willing to share it. And I also felt really great after that Pilates class yesterday. And my husband, who you know, Luke's story, you know, he and I are on our journey of wanting to start a family. And and for me, this interesting shift has come in where I just want to not let my poor atrophied muscles be so atrophied anymore because I want to feel stable and strong going up and down stairs and just within my body, I want to gain strength again for hopefully when I'm carrying a little one around, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just really cool to be at this new place and to have different types of inspiration fueling wanting to move my body again. Totally, totally new adventure. Yeah. Okay. We're going to, after this, we're going to make ex, like plans to go to the collective or go to yoga or something and hang out and hike or hike again, go for a walk. Yeah. Um, it feels really good. And so I want to go back to your ex, mm-hmm. if you don't mind talking about it, because um, I definitely think there's a lot of women. I know he was a sex addict mm-hmm. and emotionally yeah. ab- abusive. Yeah. So any words, what you want to share of that, and then for anyone listening, how to heal from that mm-hmm. and overcome and then find love again. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've got five hours for this episode, right? Um, So yeah, tuning in again. It was also similarly to the thread that I was just reflecting for you, just at the level of you are and being transparent about things. That ties into this part of the story for me too, because I coined this phrase quite a few years ago. And the phrase is winning but lost. So good. If I don't mind my, saying myself, I'm just going to mm-hmm. pat my, mm-hmm. or actually mm-hmm. thank the divine, whoever gave me that download, thank you, winning but lost. And that really that. describes my entire life up to my awakening. You know, as you said, you know, in the bio, you know, national champion athlete, I was a top rated radio host. 
television talk show host, having all of these fun jobs at very high levels, living in New York City, working in production for all these big TV shows. Yet, I was totally lost inside and I was not aligned with my own soul. I was not aligned with my own true calling. How did you feel mentally at that time? Did you feel like I made it or did you feel like I'm No, there was winning, still a struggle. Lost. Yeah, no, it truly was the embodiment of winning but lost. I was aware that I was uh, getting these accolades that you could put on a website or tell at a cocktail party. But what was happening inside of me, because simultaneously through a lot of this, I was with the ex and I was having anxiety disorders, panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I was having autoimmune disorders. There were all sorts of ways that my system was desperately trying to get my attention and communicate to me, this is off. You are off track, sister. But because I so staunchly ignored said many clear, loud messages It's my belief that that's ultimately what led to me needing that divine intervention and Mm -hmm. that big spiritual awakening day. And I tell the full story, and and I'm happy to hear, but to whittle it down, there was one day where my clairaudient gift came online. I was able to hear spirits speak to me, and it happened to be on a day where— My ex and I had already broken up for the umpteenth time. You know, we had been in this cycle of insanity, these rounds going over and over and over again for a period of 16 and a half years of trying to make this work. Wait, you were with him 16 and a half years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was a very long journey. And we had called our engagement off. I had moved into Brooklyn on my own, trying to start my life again. I was obviously devastated and feeling lost. You know, when you're with someone and— In that particular relationship, there was a lot of unhealthy enmeshment and codependency. Mm -hmm. So there was so much that I was trying to unravel. Yet, many months after moving to Brooklyn on my own, he came back around and he sounded different. And I, I like to be honest about this because I think it might be supportive for others to have maybe some light bulbs go off of like, huh, I've been there or I'm there right now. You know, he was saying things that he had never said before. And I thought, maybe this time, maybe rotation number 185, this one's going to be the different one. And so we were thinking of getting back together. And on this particular day, we were going to venture out publicly together for the first time in a very long time. And that's when all of my spiritual guides, all of my divine support blew the whistle. And they were like, no, we, we have to intervene at this point. And so they did, and I was able to hear some guidance and messages in my right ear, clear as day, just like we're talking. And through that guidance, I was led to his phone. He was asleep in the front room. And that's that was the veil-lifting, ego-shattering moment I needed by going into this phone and finally facing my greatest fears, which was horrific betrayal and seeing God-awful proof of said betrayals. I've gone into a phone before. And it, there's always like, you don't go on your partner's phone. But if you have that instinct, and I found some stuff too. And I this was someone way, way long ago. Yeah. And I saw dates in his calendar. And we lived together. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. This is intriguing. <laughs> I don't think these two things go together. Well, I, yeah. And I I was using his computer one time and I was like, why are you getting Match.com ads on your 
Um, he's like, I don't know. They just send you ads. I'm like, usually it's when you're like searching for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is the algorithm so clear that this is what they need to send you? Yeah. Ooh, okay. So mm-hmm. then you yeah. see that. And then how do you move through that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> how I how I moved through it was in this initial moment, I think because I had such divine support, I truly, even though it was my initial awakening point, I could feel a shift in the room and I could feel angelic support guides there. And I was able actually somehow to stay calm. It The energetics of me going into his phone, I think that shift woke him up because I was silent, but then he came in the bedroom where his phone was and I was able to stay um, very grounded and centered. And I I just was so clear that it was finally over. Mm-hmm. And I said, you need to pack all of your things and you need to leave and you need to never contact me again. And the heartbreaking moment, I mean, it's all pretty heartbreaking, obviously, but I just remember before he walked out the door, looking into his eyes because I just was so shattered and confused. And I said, my birth last name is Mills. And so I said, I'm Allison Mills. How could you do this to me? You know, just trying to like get a real moment of connection and understanding because I couldn't wrap my head around how after 16 and a half years and us being best friends and college athletes together and going through so many chapters in life, I just couldn't fathom how it was possible for that level of um, betrayal. And, you know, he wasn't really able to give me an answer. And looking back, it makes sense. You know, people that are struggling with different types of addictions and, and mental health issues, they're oftentimes incredibly confused themselves and lost yeah. themselves. So they don't even understand their behaviors oftentimes. So um, after he exited, that's when I collapsed. And that's when I lost it and was in shambles and was really feeling the magnitude um, of feeling my life being turned upside down. And also, you know, incredibly terrified because as the veil of illusions and the shell of denial had gotten obliterated and seeing that proof, then all of a sudden there are additional awakenings of like, wow, what about my health? Mm -hmm. If I saw on his phone what he's been doing and I'm now understanding this was going on for potentially 16 and a half years, am I okay, you know, health-wise? And so I was terrified. I, you know, called and made a doctor's appointment and Thankfully, he was able to get in pretty quickly and, you know, get all the STD checks. And that was really, really scary for me. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You know, to get on panic attacks and anxiety. And And the waiting. Some of those test results, you have to wait a little while to get back. And, you know, I just, oh, it takes me, I remember it. Like yesterday, I got on the subway, you know, New York City by myself and was just, processing all this grief and and just horror and riding by myself on the subway to this doctor who I'd never been to before, but it was the quickest one I could get into and just sitting there waiting and having this test, this test done. And all of these moments, I really began to devote and dedicate to being fully present to and fully feeling everything. And it was not long after that, and thankfully, you know, by the grace of God, somehow I was completely healthy, but I flew to Indiana, where I'm from, as you mentioned, and stayed at my grandma's house at the time, and 
in that back bedroom, over the course of a couple of weeks, I had additional spiritual awakening after spiritual awakening. And Spirit was replaying my entire life, especially the years with him, but without the denial, without the lies I was telling myself. So they were flashing me to different experiences, but I was finally seeing them for what they really were. And so by letting myself finally see truth and devoting to that, I realized I was not well. I was not who I thought I was. He was not who I thought he was. And life was not what I thought it was. And it was in that moment that the big key that I recommend for people, if it resonates, of course, is the surrender moment where Mm -hmm. you speak to whoever it is you believe in and connect with. For me, it's great spirit, God, goddess, great mother earth, and of course, my own soul. And I remember just putting my hands up in there and saying, okay, I clearly don't know what I am doing. Show me the way. The next key to that process, when you communicate your readiness, you will be shown the way, but then that becomes our responsibility, obviously, to be consciously aware to the messages and signals and live and actually live those instructions. So how can you be consciously aware for someone who like, it's like, I, I I always like, go with your gut or Mm -hmm. go with what you think, like, And how can you find that awareness? Like, what are the tips to be consciously aware? Yeah, it's a great question. I think for some, the awareness of the rituals and practices that work best for someone, they might come in right away. For me, it was a bit of a beautiful, mystical, metaphysical winding road where I just let myself explore. And I remember when I got back to New York City, there's this bookstore in Manhattan called Namaste Bookshop, and it's got all the spiritual tools and all the things. And I actually used to take um, clients and students on these like metaphysical field trips into stores like this. And it's just listening, you know, when where are you feeling most pulled when you walk into a spiritual store? Are you, are is something guiding you straight to the back right corner where the Egyptian section is, where all the onks are? You know, I have a story around that. Are you being guided to shamanic drums or flutes? Are you being guided to a certain oracle divination deck? And I think if someone's wanting to start that exploration of what spiritual practice or tool will help me most right now feel that clear divine connection to myself and to the spiritual messages is just go into a store like that or browse on a website. You will know. You will yeah. feel what's jumping out to you and and start there. The other little key for all of this, though, is always be willing and open-minded to give it up and to shift. There were times where I just knew I needed to put all the crystals away, all the amulets away, and I just needed to focus for a long time on my own soul's inner wisdom and not use tools. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a journey of, of exploration, but I always recommend creating an altar space and it doesn't have to be complex. Mine at my house is, I can't wait for you to come over and see it because <laughs> it's know. real fancy up in there now. It's like, Oh man, the altar of my dreams, but you can have a very simple altar, which literally has a piece of Palo Santo and a candle. And it's a designated area where you go hopefully every morning or as often as you need. And that's where you are able to remember who you are. Close your eyes for a few moments, take some deep breaths, connect into great mother earth and great spirit and tune into your own heart 
And in those moments of silence, you know, maybe you just start with one simple question of my beautiful heart, what do you want me to know today? It it can, it's oftentimes I've been doing this work many lifetimes and many years this life. And it's really the simplest practices that are the most powerful. What's on your altar now? Now that you have your <laughs> ultimate altar. Well, you know Animal Power, Jack <laughs> yes, and Book. Which we're going to do. I want to do an animal reading. <laughs> they are front and center. Hopefully Tiki will come and be sit at my altar oh, one day. Does. You come bless the altar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my obsession for her just grows every time I look in her cute little face and get more kisses. Okay, so what is currently front and center at my altar this really organically took shape. I have this beautiful tray that is gray and it looks like it's lace, if that makes sense. Like that's mm-hmm. the texture on the tray. It was given to me by a dear friend. And then little by little over the course of months, I was bestowed these beautiful other meaningful gifts from some other incredibly close girlfriends here in, in Texas Um, One is a birthing crystal. Another is this beautiful dish that a Maori made in New Zealand. And when my friend came back from New Zealand, she gave me that. Another is a dried blue lotus from my friend Shiva Rose. And so right in front, um, and actually there's a sage bundle that my actual sister, like from my family, Mm -hmm. how do you say that? My my birth sister? My my. Biological. Thank you. I'm like, there's a word I can't think of. I was like, Emily, what's that word? (laughs) My biological sister gave me this beautiful sage bundle. And so it just, all of a sudden, I realized one day, everything that I had placed on this beautiful tray, I'm like, oh, these are all from sisters, you know? Mm. And so there's this awesome honoring area of friendship that's right in front and center. And then, of course, all of the drums, the rattles, the guitar. I now play guitar, and I'm loving it so much. I just wrote it down in my, my what's the word? <laughs> tell, tell us how to, how to do this interview, Emily. <laughs> no, I just wrote it down. I want to learn to play guitar. Really? Yeah, I just, over Christmas, I was in Telluride, where Jewel lives, mm-hmm. and I got a guitar that she signed and painted. Uh, okay, and, and, no, and, and, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and painted on, and I'm like, Bobby was playing it the other day, and I was like, in my head, it's like, I think I want to learn to play guitar. Uh-huh. So, okay, this is the moment. Like, this story and the medicine in, in that brief story is the perfect example of a whisper from your own heart, your own soul, or the whisper from the divine of a next connecting, unifying practice that you are being asked to step into. And for me, samesies, but different. I don't have a signed guitar by Joel (laughs) yet. (laughs) Maybe you can make that happen. But for me, how it worked, that was a hilarious story that you just like tossed in there. But well, we partner together with our foundations. So, I know, I, but it's know. still hilarious. <laughs> You're like, but so when I was sitting with grandmother medicine many months ago at this point in a beautiful ceremony, it was during this two night back to back grandmother medicine ceremony that I was shown them. The, for for anyone new, I I reference grandmother medicine, but it's it's ayahuasca. And so the spirit of ayahuasca was communicating to me at this point, and she moved through me and moved my gaze directly to one of the many facilitators that was leading the ceremony. And it was all dark in this beautiful room, and we're we're deep into the night. And the second that I laid my eyes 
on the woman facilitator. It was her who happened to be playing guitar, and I received an instruction through that ceremony and through the medicine that I needed to start to play guitar. And it was a huge moment for me because while one of the things I'm most known for are guiding drumming shamanic journeys, um, which I love, and I use rattles and instruments a lot, the the guitar, for some reason, it just Mm -hmm. wasn't one that ever like, oh, you know, lit me up. But in that moment, it was such a clear call. And then I spoke with the woman facilitator and another master musician who has also been on Ceremony Circle. His name is Ashel Seasons. I spoke to the both of them at the altar the next morning and told them about the message and received some good keys and codes in that conversation with them. And now, fast forward all these months, I play every day. I have the best teacher for you. Okay, yes. She's here. Oh, okay. And she's Send her to me. incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I just feel like it's something very therapeutic and kind of meditative and for me. Just, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Her name is Melissa Reeves, and she has also been on Ceremony Circle Podcast. Okay. She is wonderful. Like, she comes from an incredible lineage of um, musical teachers. I always forget, and I don't want to get this wrong, but she also teaches piano. And she is the student of a teacher whose teacher was like Beethoven or something crazy like that. I forget the composer, but I'm like, I will gladly be in this lineage. Thank you. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. We can start our own guitar Mm. band. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Guitar band. Terrible singer, but I'll do it. I love karaoke. You know, I'm an okay singer. I sing all the time medicine songs, and I don't proclaim to be like, you know, a trained singer. I can sing a bit. And then, you know, we have friends here like Devana who are like Mm -hmm. incredible singers. So we can, you know, we can focus on the guitar. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We were talking about your altar. We were talking about the, yeah. So. Yes. So the altar, um, yeah, there's a lot of things on there, but every, we have these three pieces that now create our whole wall and our loft ceremony room. This whole one wall is, has become the altar. And in these three pieces of like cutout cabinetry in every cutout, there's something just so significant and meaningful from my life journey. There's a piece of driftwood on the top shelf from the beach where Luke proposed to me down in Cuixmala in Mexico. And he had um, the ring underneath a little tiny baby sea turtle. And we were releasing the sea. I, I know it's a jaw dropper. He's very proud of, of creating this vision. And I have to give it to him. It was pretty darn perfect. We're on this private beach and releasing baby sea turtles out into the ocean. And the this ring was sitting underneath a little baby sea turtle yes. in his hand. I know. Yeah. Let's talk about Luke. Okay. I'm always happy to talk about him. He's a well, hunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had some friends who are like, Luke, sorry. I'm like, sorry, he's taken. <laughs> he is so in love. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but, okay, you go from 16 and a half years in this relationship yeah. and finding your own transition and from professionally and personally and yeah. going through that process and that work, how do you find love again? Mm. How do you trust yeah. love again? Thank you for bringing it back to that. And yeah, it's really funny when people learn a bit about me and they're like, wait, you were a hip hop radio show host and now you're a shaman and an <laughs> author? Like, tell me how that you made that jump. <laughs> you can do it. Like, yes, anything in life. This is your life. You Amen. can change a career. You can change your lovers. You can change... Your friends, like, just do, be a good damn person and do what feels right. That's 
potentially the mic drop moment of this interview. That's the tweetable moment. Yes, make edit note that Karina just dropped a wisdom bomb there. Um, and it's so true. So, so yes, tuning into, I had this awakening. I finally surrender. I finally am willing to get out of my own way. I'm finally ready to take responsibility. I'm finally ready to activate true self-love, self-respect, self-worth. So I start to devote to the spiritual path. And I was just trying to heal. I, I also like to clarify, I never set out to, quote unquote, be a shaman or to become a healer or a spiritual teacher. I was just trying to heal. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to be okay. And through my devotion and willingness of doing that, that's when the medicine that has always lived within me finally had some room to, to move and grow and to inform me. And that's when I realized who I really am. And so there was a long period. This was when I was based in New York City, and that's where you and I met all those years ago. And it was during this time I knew I needed to live alone and I knew I needed to be single, consciously single and consciously celibate. And I was celibate for almost five years. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's just what I needed to do to, you know, do the deep layers of healing my womb, to devote to all the years of shadow work and facing all aspects of myself. So I was in that zone for many, many years. And then finally, uh, I started to get to a place where I felt ready to find my person. And I was probably, I'm trying to track back with math about how old I was at that point. I want to say, gosh, wow, I was probably, I mean, I was definitely upper 30s when I was at a place of like, okay, I have done enough healing. I mean, it's a never-ending journey, but mm -hmm. I am at a place where I think I can, I know I can trust myself and I trust myself to call in a relationship of a totally different energetic. And then I had to come over resistance of online dating because I had wanted to believe that I would just bump into this person on a random New York City sidewalk and mm -hmm. that I would just, they would just appear. And then I finally, after a year or two of wanting that to happen and realizing it wasn't and realizing I was getting older and realizing I wanted kids, I was like, okay, you've got to really do something different. But I always just for whoever meets online, that's great. It just, it didn't feel for me. It just, I was like, this doesn't feel how I'm going to meet my person. But I needed to overcome that block and that resistance. It was just part of my journey. And so I dated a, a few guys, like a fireman, I think, and like an, a defense attorney. Like I was, it was very interesting having those experiences. And I've done, like after being with someone for seven years and then I did online dating, I did eHarmony.com. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Interesting. It's a journey. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it was a pretty steep learning curve for me. And what was funny throughout all of this time, you know, all these years of healing and celibacy, and then finally online dating and all these things, Luke and I had actually been friends for a portion of this. He, we both spoke at a consciousness event in New York City. We were on different panels during the event. But the funny story with that is when it was time to promote it, it was called Whitma. They, you know, give you the graphic, you know, if you can please share this on Instagram. And so I looked at the roster of other speakers to tag in the graphic. And I had not heard of Luke until I went to his page to tag. And I was like, hmm. There was just like a <laughs> moment of, hmm, 
her. <laughs> but I, I didn't go any further than the brief her. But unconsciously, I tagged his name. And it still exists deep down in my feed. His name is tagged directly on my heart center. And everyone else— Was that else, intentional? It was or? not <laughs> completely conscious. Yeah. But I, yeah. on another level, I knew exactly what I was doing. Yeah. And um, all the other tags are, like, on the right, like, side. And his is just, boom, right in my heart. And then when he heard me talk, he had me on his podcast because he was based in L.A. So we did it in New York before he left. And during all of these years, people would message both of us separately saying, you two are a vibe. Like, I don't know, are you, if she's single or you're single, but you, you two should date. And we would hear this, both of us. And we just, it wasn't the right time. We weren't yeah. connecting the dots. He was also celibate. So I share that because you just never know. The running joke became when I got to this place of readiness and calling in the right person, some of my close friends at the time, they were like, wouldn't it be hilarious if this whole time it really was Luke? And the whole time it, it was. really was Luke. Because then didn't you move to LA and didn't yeah. you stay with him? Or to like, just like when you first went there, right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I moved but, in. I would go, I so I became bi-coastal with my work, and I would meet up with him for tea and to catch up. And what's funny is at one point, he got, after his celibacy, he got into his first serious relationship again. I was very happy for him. I actually gave him some relationship advice one point when he called me for it. And I was like, wow, he's really doing it. He's He's found his person. And then on one of my trips to LA to catch up over tea like we normally would do, he said, "Oh, it's a, it's really good timing. I'd love to to talk to you. My I we've the person I was with, we've broken up." And I was like, "What?" And then he told me the story that day over tea, and then once that story was done, he moved around to the other side of the table and like moved into a different chair. And I was like, "What?" Like is? next to you? No, oh. like directly across. Oh, okay. We were sitting next to each other during the breakup story. Then he moves around, he resituates himself, and he locks eyes with me. And he's like, I just remember shimmying in the chair. I was like, what is going on? And he said, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've always been interested in you. And the mm. next time you're in LA, I'd like to take you on a proper date. And my brain just shut down. You're like, what? Yeah. I was like, am I making, am I, is he really saying this? But you had been celibate and out of a traumatic relationship, were you mentally like, had you, I mean, you tried a few different things, but could was, you trust love again? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question. And it's like, you can only find that out if you're willing to throw yourself back into the arena again. And I was extra nervous in this scenario because we had so many mutual friends. I really loved him. Like I would text him as a friend and say, I love you. And I, you know, I, and I meant it. And then he's proposing this date idea. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, all of a sudden, my brain went into these scenarios of what if I end up liking him more than he, he likes me, and then it gets awkward, or what if we're not compatible in this area? And, but I, you know, said it's worth the risk, and um, it, we got on the fast track. It was so divinely meant to be that once we shifted out of friend zone and into this new divine river of being um, exploring. God, goddess took over, let me tell you. And on our third date, we were in this incredibly powerful peyote ceremony out in uh, the desert. And it was in that weekend and through a lot of the, the medicine's support, 
that we became a couple on our on our third date. And, you know, then the rest is history. We got engaged very quickly, married by Elvis in Vegas very quickly. And oh, was, I was wondering, because you were not public about your marriage, but yeah. then I, I know you're married now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. Uh, I know. That's amazing. Yeah, we just, Elvis in Vegas. It, Perfect. It was, and now you can't even do the Elvis thing. They stopped. Really? Yes, they stopped the estate. I think about ten months ago or something. They, the estate ruled that in Vegas you can no longer have an Elvis wedding. So we were one of the last people to do it. Emily's bomb. She's like, I was going to do that. <laughs> Vegas. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. yeah. So we've had such a hilarious and reverent and. Just, I mean, our love runs so deep. Just this morning before I left to come here, I was sitting at our dining room table and he's just such a, such a good one. Um, Wow. I'm so blessed to have him as my husband. And he just leaned down and was just looking me right in the eyes. And he's just like, "I, I just love you so much. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you and I see everything that you do and I know the dishwasher doesn't empty itself and it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, he tells me very yeah. deep things but he also but. is very good at just acknowledging, you know, the day-to-day more earthly life things and he, he treats me so well. Yeah. So, shout out anyone's listening. Like, there is, and so the story I was telling earlier about me going through the boyfriend's phone that listened or that had his dates uh, in his calendar. The, yeah. And then he actually physically attacked me as I was going through it and asking him. He's like, get out of my phone. I'm like, that's the sign. But it, I had known that Bobby. will tell you you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> but I had known Bobby for years mm. and just through crossing paths and never really noticed each other, yes. both dating other people. Bobby moved in below me, and I was like, oh, he's cute. There's going to be, this is going to be a trouble. But we immediately started hanging out. And, but I, I, I always say like the vulnerability to be open to a relationship again, because I was so scarred for multiple reasons where I was like, I don't know, you should date other people. This, you know, for months I was like, but. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the bravest things for sure that I've done in this lifetime, especially the other intriguing piece with my dynamic with Luke is he's very open about this. I'm not letting any cat out of the bag that is not respectful. He, for many years, was a very hardcore addict. Mm -hmm. And so there were some really is she, is she okay? Is she, is she thinking of jumping ship? She's she thinking of tiki. Be careful, Teeks. Don't jump off the table. We love you. For me, and now Luke has been sober for 25 years, I think, at this point. But it was not lost on me, the irony that, you know, I had my inter- divine intervention and spiritual awakening all through me being in denial about my ex having addiction issues and then having to reconcile. And in the, in the darkest thing, you know, for a long time that I had to, to face and go through was looking at the energetics of sex addiction. It was a very dark and scary place for me to peer into for a long time. And then you fast forward all these years, and now I'm with this person who has a very intense addiction past. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's been sober for a long time, but still there were for sure some incredibly deep and profound layers and threads that I have had to sit with in our time being together and challenging conversations that he and I have both been very willing to have where 
you're, I'm allowed to be a little nervous about stuff sometimes and yeah. to ask him and and he knows my background, but I'm just like, wow, it's fascinating that I ended up with somebody who also struggled with addiction and is now sober, but I had to be really courageous and brave to trust all of this would would be different. Yeah. But I think that's a beautiful thing too, because you could always be in fear and block love and not believe that people can change, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then know that they can and they do the work and we can change. I'm a different, I mean, if we don't change and grow and progress in our lives and even I, there's plenty of people, I'm family, friends who have done bad things in the past. Yeah. And I'm very forgiving and believing in the human race. I mean, I don't want to live any other way. Yeah. I mean, I, when I think about how much I have evolved and yeah. for sure, keep that in mind and know that it's, possible for anyone. And I think that that's the entire point of us incarnating and being here on earth. You know, a lot of people, myself included, call it earth school. And, you know, you get on this infinite evolutionary path. And the whole point is to, you know, be willing to face all aspects of yourself, be willing to let things look, feel, function completely differently. And um, I'm even currently in a very, I haven't really, I definitely have not done an interview on it. I haven't even really put much words or conversation around it. But just in the, um, I turned, my birthday was on New Year's Day Mm -hmm. and I could feel a massive shift different than any other birthday. It was some other thing going on. And I'm still very much with that shift. And I don't know exactly yet what's happening, but it's something big to the point where just a couple nights ago in the middle of the night, I've been waking up a lot around three or four. And when I did the other night, I literally could feel within my own soul, within my own being, this massive aspect of me shift and release. And it was so big that there were a couple of seconds where I got a little, a little scared. I'm not going to lie. I was like, whoa, what just, what part of me just died? Like what part of me did I just let go of? That felt like something that has been a big part of me for a very long time that I'm now at a place in my life where it's time for that to go. And I don't even know yet exactly what that piece was. Do you know, I've talked to several friends lately, and it's been happening to me too. I'm up between three and four. Mm. My dogs also howl between three and four every night. Yeah, And they're sleeping in a different room. And I'm up before that, but then if I'm not up between those hours— then they're waking me up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. Right. But. Well, one of my <laughs> theories, and thank you for sharing, is that there is something incredibly profound going on energetically. And when I say what I'm about to say, someone listening might be like, oh, you know, I've heard that before. Or you could say that for any New Year's Day or any whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a massive shift where the energetics are changing so much on earth and within us that we're raising now to levels of personal enlightenment and levels of spiritual awakening where we truly do now have a new lens from which to look at things from, Mm -hmm. which then creates a completely new ability to have a new perspective. And I'm seeing it over and over again. Like even just yesterday— I was getting a pedicure with a friend and the owner was really angry because my friend was really late. 
And so I'm sitting there, I'm on time, I'm getting my pedicure done, living life, you know, loving the hot stone being rubbed on my calves. And the owner keeps barking over to me like, where's your friend? And I'm just like, you know, she's, she's coming. But it in that scenario where the, the owner was very frustrated and asking me, you know, even though it wasn't my problem and I'm sitting there on time and she was kind of barking at me, I was able in such a real life small example like that to witness my reaction inside of my own being and body and my response to her was completely different than I think it would have been even if I had been having that situation four months ago. And I was like, ooh, I just reacted and felt very different. It was from a much higher perspective. Yeah. And so that there's been all sorts of things in the last, you know, month where I'm witnessing myself be a totally different person. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah. Can we talk about animal power? Yeah. I would always love to. <laughs> I mean, we could just keep talking. And I'm so- <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I'm, I was thinking a few minutes ago, I was like, did I ever answer any of her, her questions? I, I think, think so. we kind of got to some of them. Okay. Well, I also am doing a new thing where we at, like when we get DMs about episodes or emails where we can come back to you. So if you're listening and there's a question that you have from Allison, and then maybe we can uh, get that answered. Right. So, An- Animal Power, mm-hmm. this beautiful book, which she is beautiful, was released last year. Correct? Yeah, we're coming up almost yeah. on a, a year, her first year birthday. Yeah, I love it. Can you explain it a little more? Yeah. So the subtitle, so main title, Animal Power, subtitle: One Hundred Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul, and. The intriguing, let's see what wants to be spoken of about this book. It was a wild journey. I was telling uh, your producer, Emily, a little bit about it before you got here. Just, and I'll, I'll tell it quickly, but I started to take publisher and literary agent meetings when I was living in New York City. And even though I was sitting down with some of the brightest brains in the book industry and all these meetings after meetings, I just could not get clear on what my first book was supposed to be about. Mm. And that was very unexpected because I've always been a very strong writer my whole life. And um, I'd never experienced writer's block or anything. And I was just like, what is going on with this? And and this went on for a couple or a few years, meetings and meetings and couldn't get clear. Finally land with the right literary agent team have a meeting with them in person. And we think, we and I think we figured it out. I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book on surrender. And then I flew to Bali to write that book. And in my first morning meditation, all the animals just flooded in. Mm-hmm. And they were like that, nah, yeah. it's not going to be the book. And they actually were the ones that invited me in and asked me to write this book with them. And I should also say, by the time this morning meditation happened, I had been working with power animals for many years at this point, and they were actually the first spiritual guides who came in after my divine intervention, the power animal realm came in to support me through that very tumultuous time. So my yeah. my aunt, who's a shaman, she was doing some soul retrieval and some shamanic healing work with me. And um, my core power animal, the black jaguar, came in during one of those sessions. And then three supporter animals, the bear, the deer, and the frog all came in. So I had that quadrant 
of power animal support to help get me through. And and then fast forward through many, many years of me constantly dialoguing and working in ceremony and ritual with the power animal guides, obviously my trust in them and their trust in me just grew and grew and grew because in those guided drumming shamanic journeys that um, I've done hundreds, if not thousands of at this point, primarily who would come through for the person journeying or who I would call in for the journey to aid that person in healing were the animals. So we had already cultivated an incredibly deep bond when they showed up and they were like, nope, let's write a book together. So to to get to the end of that story, I emailed my agents. Thankfully, they were on board with the shift. And then you fast forward, you know, another couple years of of working daily on the book um, before it was even born. So it was an incredibly deep initiatory labor of love that took many, many, many years from meeting starts to actual birth into the world. And I can honestly say that I put and gave every divine particle in me into that book and that deck. Yeah, I... I know, and I love it. And I, it, it was on. It's now here up in the podcast studio, but it was on my coffee table. Yeah, you got long. one of the early copies, yeah. and you were. But it's a beautiful coffee table mm-hmm. book too. Just pick up in the morning and like find and. Yeah, and that was um, one of the big visions that came in. As I knew it, I wanted to have incre- incredibly powerful art, and I knew it couldn't be just any artist because. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're working in these realms and writing a book that has roots in shamanism and, and ancient spiritual practices, these animals need to be the correct embodiment of their teachings because, you know, this book features 100 animals and every power animal has different healing attributes and different mm-hmm. wisdom ways. And so you're you're on the swan, and the mm-hmm. swan is a lot about, you know, poetry and, and the arts and, and wealth and self-esteem. And so whoever the artist was that was going to be chosen to create every 100 animals work of art, I knew it had to be someone so special. And we finally found this incredible artist down in Brazil named William Santiago. I knew it was him as soon as I saw his art. And thankfully, he agreed to do it. And then the wild story I always like to to tell just to honor him properly is that um, these are his last works of art. He actually mm-hmm. passed away, uh, you know, after working on Animal Power book and deck. And he was very young. And uh, it's just really, I mean, it obviously brings in much additional potent medicine to know that this incredible and talented artist, his last works are in here. You know, it's very, very, very moving. So I always like to speak his name and give a big thanks because it was a a huge birth, a huge collaboration that I really feel he and I had a big soul contract to bring this book out into the world. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful work. And Mm -hmm. so Animal Power Deck, did that just come out? It came out after the book. It's been out now, I don't know, maybe six months, something like that. I can't remember the exact. I think it was over the summer. So it's a newer birth. 
Have you done a, a reading with it yet? No. Will you do one Okay, with me? so I'll, I brought that. You can have that. Now you have the deck and the book yeah. combo. And yes, we can definitely do a reading right now if you'd like. Do you want to lead it? or? Uh, let's see. Let me get it out yeah. of the box. This is, I just took the wrapping off when I got here. She has, this will be her maiden voyage. <laughs> she has never, she has not done a reading yet. So let's see. Yeah, let me just tune in here and just get connected with the deck. I really wanted my deck to not have any strict rules. You know how, and there's nothing wrong with this, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of decks out there that in the informational booklet, they'll say like, do this card spread and place this card yeah. here and have this many cards. And this one means that. And yeah. I just, I want, I am a huge advocate of any person I work with, whether directly or indirectly through the book and deck, I want them to remember their innate gifts and their intuitive abilities. So with the readings in this deck, it's just like, if you feel like pulling four cards, great. If you feel like carrying one of the cards with you to remind yourself of that animal's medicine every day, great. If you feel like pulling, doing two card readings a day and leaving one of them at your altar, wonderful. Um, because this one's so new, there's some of the, the cards are a little stuck together and I'm just wanting to free them all up so we get an accurate reading. But um, one tip I do always recommend is when you get a new deck, is to introduce yourself to it and, you know, to do some, like they've been in boxes and warehouses and been through shipping, you know, UPS offices. So I do also recommend whether through some sustainably sourced Palo Santo or maybe you have a rattle at home, I also do recommend to just do a light clearing of the energy first. And so I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the deck in a second. Okay. I think I got pretty much all the cards free. And so, yeah, in whatever way I can guide you, here's your deck. I can give you a prompt and then you can say whatever you'd like. But what you could say is, um, hello, Animal Power Deck. Hello, Animal Power Deck. I am grateful to receive you and your divine wisdom. I'm grateful to receive you and your divine wisdom. My name is Karina. My name is Karina. And I'm so honored and happy to be able to work with you. And I'm so honored and happy to be working with you. And I hope that resonated. Like, I I didn't want to put words into your mouth, but I just wanted to give the listeners an example of a way to connect and and to meet, you know, because these... You know, this book and deck, it's it's alive. They're living, breathing medicine books. Um, so I think it only makes sense to say hello and to tell the deck who you are and to welcome it into your home space because it's going to be living here now with you, you know? So the, I, I will let you use your intuition. Do you want to pull a random card like you yeah. were? Okay, yeah. go for it. Ooh, one of my faves. The clam. Discover happiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you only want to do one? I feel like there's another one that wants to come out. Okay. Do you agree or? Yeah. Okay. So I'll share a little bit about the clam while she's selecting her next one. Oh, cool. Cool combo. Hmm. So the clam, the artwork is just one of my favorites. I just think it's so beautiful. And you've probably heard the term or the phrase happy as a clam. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the main healing medicines of clam is discovering happiness. And, you know, when you think about the the pearl that this incredible sea creature is able to create, it's only able to create it if there's been like an irritant 
that's been introduced into the inside of a clam. And then throughout the duration of oftentimes many years, it takes that irritant working and working to then produce this incredible living being inside of it, this pearl. And I just think that's interesting, bigger picture medicine to reflect on in our own lives of how these challenges or hardships or irritants or triggers come in. But if you learn how to be in healthy relation to that trigger or that Mm -hmm. irritant, and you learn how to extract the teachings and medicine that that irritant has for you, you will always rise and grow positively and create your own, you know, wisdom gems, your own pearls from that irritant. So I think that that's like a cool connection there. So I'll let you think about if there's anything that comes up for you. It's interesting because, okay, what you just said, and then combine it with the kangaroo that I pulled, which is eliminate distraction, uh-huh. irritant. Uh-huh. Hmm. Oh, hmm. so it, I, I mean, let's talk about it. <laughs> Or do are you are is there anything right now in relationships or in your energetic field? Like, do you feel you currently have some irritants or distractions that would serve you well to get rid of uh, and release? Yeah, um, hundred two hundred percent. Okay, so okay, might, this is good. I need to save that for another podcast, but yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now you have these friends. I want to keep these cards. Yes, and they these are. I mean, the power animal allies. They are such fiercely loving, devoted, dedicated, powerful spiritual allies to have. When they show up for you, like they will ride or die for you. And so, you know, it can be supportive wherever you want to put these. Um, But anytime you need a reminder of like where you need to be focusing your energies and what maybe needs to be a priority in your life right now, it's like, because I know you have a lot going on and all these businesses and stuff, but these animals are coming in and being like, what needs to be front and center for you is eliminating the distractions and irritants. So like, let's not forget what you need to focus on. Literally, exactly. Why I'm up between 3 and 4 a.m. Really? Yeah. You're being plagued by these distractions and irritants? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very, Folks, very we have a resonant animal power card deck reading happening before <laughs> your very eyes and ears. Well, that's cool. And it's moments like this. I mean, I know what I poured into this book, and I allowed myself to just be a pure divine conduit. I connected with animals every single day to receive their messages and to create the content of both the book and deck. And so it's moments like this where I'm not trying to say it's all about me because I made this deck. It's just to watch the divine truly and so purely and in such a pristine way work in to a reading like this um, and be supportive. It makes it all the years and all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into this, it makes it all worth it, you know? Yeah, so. and it's it's beautiful. And I believe in the power of the animals. And you know, it's so interesting. And then I'll, I'll wrap this up with you and we should have you back. And maybe even Luke too, because I want to talk more about you. Ooh, it's that always fun, fun for Luke and I to do a, an interview yeah. together. Let's do that. Yeah, but talking about animal power and spirit animals, I, I remember texting you probably over a year ago and talking about spirit animals. And I was looking up because I'm always connected to, well, Pomeranians. Yes. I have five of them. Indeed. And I realized that Pomeranians are connected to the two other animals that are very meaningful, a hummingbird and a peacock. 
if you look up spirit animal Pomeranian, hummingbirds and peacocks come up. My mom was obsessed with hummingbirds. Huh. And they, I, they're all around my property now. And so I always see her presence. Yeah. And then peacocks, when we lived downtown in Bolden in Austin, they're always in our backyard living there. Yeah. And I want to have some here. But I don't know. It's interesting. As you should. Yes. No, it's really wild when you can kind of connect the dots and see how they work. And hummingbird does carry a lot of that ancestral energetics. There, I think actually the story and the book. I invited twenty five other spiritual teachers or shamans from all different walks of life around the globe to share a story that they have about a particular animal that's like really changed their life. And I believe it was Arana Leia who shared the hummingbird story and it connects into her mom who passed away. Mm-hmm. So they do carry a lot of that medicine. And also how cool where we're at in Lakeway, we see the peacocks roaming about all the time. Yeah, And it's like, it's so cool how that has happened somehow in Texas that we just have wild peacocks strum, just roaming about. Who knew? And they should, I really feel like they would have a very happy home here on this, on your land. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need to get some. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Well, Allison, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but best place to find you immediately. I haven't been someone who always has loved social media. It's been a real journey, you know, in a, same, same. a very exploratory <laughs> relationship with the world of social media. But I do feel very good about my Instagram in the sense that I really share most of the most powerful teachings that I can share and most powerful transmissions that I can transmit do live on my Instagram. And that's at I am Allison Charles. And then on my website, you can experience one of those said drumming guided shamanic journeys that I do by going to allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And there is a free video journey that you'll get sent to you. If you get either the book or deck and just put your receipt number in, then you can journey with me and your the comforts of your own home. And we call forward in that journey the current power animal who most wants to support you at this time. And then from connecting with the animal in the journey and asking it questions and whatnot, then when you're out of the journey, you can obviously consult it further in the book or the deck. So I feel like that was the best offering I could give people is like, go on a journey and meet these animals in the other realms yourself. (laughs) I love it. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's so nice to sit down with you um, just one-on-one. And um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Nice to connect. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety.
The type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. Breathe.